Welcome to Hit It, the Water Skier Magazine podcast, presented by USA Water Ski and Wake Sports, where we catch up each month with current stars, rising stars, and legends from the past from USA Water Ski and Wake Sports and its nine sport discipline. This episode is brought to you by Visit Central Florida, the water ski capital of the world. I'm your host, Tyler Boyd. Welcome back, everyone, to the Hit It Podcast. I am super excited to bring you this guest here today, and that guest is Allie Nicholson. That's right. Allie joins us in the virtual studio to talk about her tremendous 2023 slalom season. She has literally traveled around the world competing in events this summer, from events in Europe, back to the United States, up to Canada. She is currently ranked number three on the Water Ski Pro Tour. During one of the events in Greece, she achieved her goal of running 39 and a half off in a professional competition. We get to talk to Ali about that and what it takes to run 39 and a half off. And we also get to talk to Ali about the TWBC that has been broadcasting the events because from time to time, Ali jumps on the microphone to give her analysis. It was super exciting to catch up with Ali and going into the final fall events leading up to the World Tournament. She is certainly one to watch and one of the favorites out on the water. Having said that, here's my interview with Allie Nicholson. Well, welcome back into the Hit It podcast. Tyler Boyd here with you this afternoon. And I got to tell you, I am super excited to interview this guest. Allie Nicholson joins me in the virtual studio. Allie, how are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Absolutely. Well, you have had an incredible season, and to speak of the season like it's over, it's like maybe we're in the third quarter, not quite the fourth quarter, but um, there's been a lot of highlights, so I really want to recap that. We're also going to take a look at TWBC and the work that you've been doing from them on the microphone, of course, skiing uh, as they're recording you. So, so much going on, and I have a couple of questions regarding 39 off. As, as a lot of our listeners know, you've uh, broken that barrier and now you're on to 41. So um, just a lot, of co- a lot of coverage here on a lot of topics. But 2023, what were the expectations coming into this year? Um, I mean, obviously running 39 has kind of been on my goal, on my radar for the last couple of years. So I was definitely hoping to do that. Um, yeah, I knew it was going to be a long season, big plans, went to Europe for a whole month. Um, so I'm really happy with how the season's gone so far, and it's definitely not over. It's pretty far from over at this point. Um, we still have several more events to come. Um, but yeah, I think expectations were kind of high this year. I skied all off season was going well. Um, I kind of started on a high this year at, um, King of Darkness. I skied well. I think I ran three the first round. Um, so it was kind of like, okay, I think that this, this could be going somewhere. Um, so to go out and like kind of put up big scores early on in the year was uh, really reassuring kind of for where we were going to stand for the rest of the season. Absolutely. Well, it was really interesting because before the interview, I pulled up an interview that you had with Marcus Brown a couple years ago where you sat down and talked to him at Hilltop. And at that particular time, you were juggling, uh, becoming a nurse, trying to find water time, trying to find the right coaching. You were really satisfied with showing up to that particular tournament a couple years ago and running 38 both rounds. And then uh, Marcus kind of poses the question, you know, what is it going to take? What is it going to look like to run 39 off? And it's just amazing to reflect on that. That, that was two years ago. You must have put a really good plan into action in the last two years because you were able to accomplish that goal. Tell us a little, little bit about that journey. 
Yeah. So I've been kind of, um, I think part of what I did was at the time, then I was really juggling skiing and working and um, getting into nursing. And I have found travel nursing now. So I've been doing um, working in the off season and then in during the season, fully skiing. Um, and I think that that's gone a long way. My last two years have been really incredible score wise and um, podium finishes and everything. And I think that that kind of helped make that turn a little bit more. Um, I've relocated. I'm down in Orlando now. So I've kind of surrounded myself with a lot more skiers, a lot more coaching and kind of being able to center myself in skiing a little bit more and focusing a little bit more on skiing. Um, so I definitely think that's helped kind of make that switch. I kind of um, put a lot more focus on skiing after that point. Very nice. Well, you take a look at 39 off and in, in the, the interview that I'm referencing for all of our viewers and listeners, check that out on YouTube, Marcus Brown and Allie talking about how to achieve the goal of 39 off. You know, it's been such a barrier for so many people. And I think at the time you were talking about maybe fixing your gate, but there was a big emphasis on just getting around people that could potentially put you up to the next level. What kind of changes did you make in your technique that really have elevated you into 41 off? Yeah, I mean, I think I the gate, I mean, it's been a huge thing for me just trying to um, solidify it and get the better start because I definitely think the gate sets you up for the rest of the pass. Um, so I knew that then. I know that now I've been working on it a lot, trying to get wider on my gates, trying to be lighter on my gates, trying not to go so hard because I feel like a lot of times we come in narrow, go too hard. Um, I'm able to get out of one. I'm a lefty. I've always been able to get out of one, but then I get over to two and I'm stuck. Um, and then after that, I think a big part of it was just this year at the beginning of the year, I kept saying, you know, I was getting to like four and I was stopping or, um, just kind of not turning and whatever. And I would come in and I would be like, oh, well, you know, but I, I did this at two or I did that at three. And everybody's like, go watch the video, Ali. You were, you were fine. It was fine. Like you just, you stood up and S turned four ball. Why? Mm. Um, and I think that that was kind of at the beginning of this year, I started going, okay, I just have to, the pieces kind of have to align. I just have to keep being because I keep kind of stopping myself um, short. And so I would go back and I would watch the videos and be like, yeah, I did something weird at two where I did something weird at three, but I was fine. I was still in the past. And if you watch the first 39 that I ran, my two ball was terrible. Um, and I think a part, finally, I was just kind of like, all right, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep moving. Um, and just kind of breaking through that barrier of telling myself that I was done when I wasn't. Um, and now I've run two more 39 since then. None of them have been perfect, probably far from it. But I think it was just kind of breaking through that barrier of like telling myself that I was done and just trying to stay in the past and trying to think of 39 the same as 38, you know, um, I don't think of 38 as a hard pass anymore. At the time when I talked to Marcus, I was like, Hey, you know, I'm happy. I ran 38 every round. Um, and that was kind of a big achievement for me for a long time. And so I think kind of like refocusing, like 38 is not the goal anymore. 39 is now the goal. 39 has to be just like any other pass. Um, and kind of breaking through that a little bit to get mentally where I felt like I could run it in a tournament. Absolutely. And it's such an interesting field. I mean, I feel like the women's slalom event has really elevated to this level that we've never seen before. Obviously, Regina Jake was skiing in that event, Wendy McClintock, Rini, Jamie Bull, Manon Castard, the list goes on and on and on. And you look at where the cutoff is, 
And it really has not been one of those things in which, um, you know, you've really struggled to be in the upper half of those top skiers. But these podium finishes are very, very impressive because um, sometimes it's going to require if, to win the event. 39 off needs to be ran, uh, but at least deep 39 uh, to make it into the top three. Tell us a little bit about the competition, because it seems like women's slalom is at a totally different level. It is. And I think I'll tell you the point when I really kind of was like, okay, yeah, it's going to take a lot. And this was a while back. I kind of realized if I wanted to be part of it, I had to figure it out was the Malibu open when you had Regina, Whitney, Jamie and Manon all ran 39 in the finals. Manon ran 39 and didn't even make the podium, which was kind of mind boggling at the time. Um, but I think it just goes to show like the level of women's skiing and how elevated it has become just to be able to compete, you're going to have to kind of be up there in it. And yeah, I, I definitely am happy with the deep 39s that I've gotten and I've been able to make the podium and I'm definitely trying to just solidify those 39s, try to get them a little bit more consistent so that hopefully I can see myself on the podium and at the top of the podium a little bit more often. Absolutely. And we take a look at that on the screen for all of our YouTube viewers. Uh, you've had one slalom win this, this year in 2023, seven podiums and nine top eight finishes. And what's really interesting as I scroll down, you're talking about the king of darkness, but just how long this season is. Uh, this is a really good website, by the way, for all of our listeners, uh, the Water Ski Pro Tour. Um, I was going to go to the schedule right here, the current season. So we're looking at potentially nine, 10 events that have already taken place. And we're already, we're almost in, we're, we are in September today, but the Mastercraft Pro, Malibu Open, and the Travers Grand Prix still yet to come. So there's a lot more skiing still out there. Yeah, there's still a lot more skiing. And that's kind of, I was talking about it the other day. I was said, you know, the season has been so long already. Um, we started the first weekend of May with the King of Darkness, and we have just kind of kept going. And it's kind of been trying to take it a little bit in segments, I think. So we had the May chunk, which was kind of a lot. We had a couple pro events and then the Masters qualifiers going to Masters. And then we got a little break. And so it was kind of like recover for a little bit and then hit the ground running again because it was right off to Europe and then traveling for four weeks, living out of a suitcase on the road all the time. Um, that kind of took it out of us, out of all of us, I'm sure. And then we got back, I took like a week off and then it was kind of time to hit the ground running again. And we went to Canada and then I had nationals and the California event and everything. So now we're kind of entering that final stretch uh, for the end of the year. And then obviously not on the pro tour, we still have worlds to come. That's right. That's right. Um, and, and that might be the, the one that has the asterisk next to it all year long, the one that everybody's eyeing. Taking a look at the leaderboard right now on the Waterski Pro Tour, you're our ranked number three, uh, Jamie Bull, number one, Whitney McClintock, uh, Rini, number two, yourself, number three, and then Regina at the fourth spot. So there's still a lot to go go on in, the, in this, I guess, next three tournaments to be the crown champion of 2023. When you take a look at this, because this is a, an extremely uh, creative format, and I think it brings a lot to the sport. Are you showing up to the tournaments, kind of looking back and going, where am I ranking as far as how well I've done on the pro tour this year? Or is it really just each individual event and trying to make it as 
as high on the podium as possible. I think the focus is kind of on each individual event. I do love the Pro Tour. I love that it kind of gives us something season long as kind of an objective um, adds a little bit to it. So it kind of makes it more about the tour and less about each individual event, which I do really enjoy. But I would say showing up to an event, it's definitely kind of more on the back burner. It's focusing on that day, that event. And then, yeah, it's, it's fun to kind of look at the leaderboard as a overview of the whole season. Well, and as I understand it, they take the top five scores, so you can continue to improve on that leaderboard. Uh, the interesting thing, though, is like to be in the top three with the women that we've seen on that list, uh, that's a lot of consistent skiing. So you're not only skiing at a very high level, you take down some of the first 39s that you've seen, but you're skiing week after week in these Pro Tour stops, very consistency. When you look at your consistency, do you accredit that to anything? I would just say uh, training this year in the off season. I started working with Marcus Brown and Slow Point and um, kind of got ahead, got in the gym a lot more than I had been. So I definitely think that set me off on a good start for the year. And then, yeah, just kind of being down here, centering myself around the right people. Um, I love getting to go. I go out to Jack's lot and ski with all the HO people. Most of them are in town for the whole summer. So it's kind of nice to go out there, train, have friends. Yeah, just it, I like to, to go out and train, take it seriously, but not to make it too hard on myself. I don't want to treat skiing too much like a job because at the end of the day, it's kind of all about fun. So I think if I start looking at it too much like a job, I'm going to stop enjoying it. And if that day comes, I don't know, it might not seem anymore. <laughs> I completely understand that. Remember, it's supposed to be fun. We try to remind ourselves of that sometimes when we're in the heat of competition. You were talking about Marcus Brown. He's been on the, the podcast um, a couple of times. And we've talked about his flow point method, so many amazing things that he's doing with that method and also helping athletes. And, uh, I, you know, you got your syndicate shirt on right there. I thought it was really cool that the Pro Tour is acknowledging the ski brands and how well they're doing as far as podium finishes. And right now, HO Syndicate in the lead with 592 points, followed by D3. What does that mean to you as an HO syndicate skier because you got a team, you know, uh, Jamie Bull and and Will Asher and John Travers. What does that mean to you guys? Yeah, I actually was really excited when they announced this. And when they when I saw who that I was on the team, Jamie and Will, I said, you know, what? I like our chances. I, I think we have a really <laughs> strong team. And I mean, we have a strong team, regardless of just the three person team that we have here on the leaderboard. But yeah, I think that this is just kind of a fun little something to add to the tour, something to keep up with, just kind of shows, yeah, we have a strong team. We have everybody's on the new work skis. Uh, Will and I are on the 01, Jamie's on the 02. It's just kind of fun to, to see it and kind of add some variety into the tour a little bit this year. Absolutely. I was pumped up to see that because I don't think, you know, we talk about the, the old school pro tour, the 1980s, early 90s pro tour, on ESPN, and I don't think that was ever really tracked. And so I think that is a great addition to the modern day pro tour. I want to switch gears a little bit because not only are you working, not only are you skiing, but at some of these events with TWBC, who's broadcasting these events, you're also on the microphone. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, I kind of pushed myself or got pushed out of my comfort zone um, a couple of years ago to help with TWBC. 
I, I, I really enjoy doing it now, but I'd like to help out when I can. I love that they come and broadcast the events. My family's always watching um, when they're not at events. So they like to see me on camera too. But I just like to kind of help out, see if I can, you know, keep helping the events happen, uh, make their life a little bit easier, doing the, either the dockside interviews or going and talking with Tony. I'm just kind of sitting, I don't know, because I, I watch teams the whole day either way. So it's kind of a nice way to switch it up. I like to see different sides of the skiers. I know the interviews, like the dockside interviews are always fun because um, you kind of get to see a little bit more of the personality of skiers sometimes. Makes us seem a little bit more human, I think. So kind of get the mindset of you standing on the dock or right after you ski, that initial reaction. I think it's fun for the viewers at home to see. So I like kind of being a part of being able to bring that to the viewers. Yeah, and I think TWEC does an outstanding job of doing that. You know, as an announcer myself, sometimes I always get worried. Sometimes maybe I'm saying something that the athlete doesn't want to hear right before they go out or why the line's being shortened up. But the way that they're able to do that on the dock before skiers go out and then interview them sometimes when they're coming back to the booth, it just has a really good feel to it. And you really get to understand the athlete more. You get to understand the conditions because they're speaking directly to the lake they just came off of. Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, eh, I don't really want my interview right now after I got off the lake? Yeah. Yeah. When the, <laughs> when the ride doesn't go your way, sometimes it's like, yeah, I'm going to. And I, as the interviewer, sometimes I'm like, I'm, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm sorry. You know, Vince will be in the air going, hey, interview, interview. And I'm like, they don't want to talk to me. I, I'm sorry. Tony, keep talking. Because, <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's hard when things don't go your way. You don't want to go right in a camera and have to go, well, yeah, that kind of sucked. <laughs> or, you know, try to play light about it or whatever. I think the skiers have come a long way. If you were to go back and watch like one of the original TWBC webcast and see, you can kind of tell the skiers have gotten a lot more comfortable. We expect it. When we walk down to the dock, I expect to be interviewed, especially if you have Wade standing there, or whoever it is that's doing interviews that day. It's kind of part of the routine now. So we've kind of all, I think, become a little bit more accustomed to like the media side because before TWBC, we didn't have any of that. We weren't used to having cameras in our face or cameras right on the dock. I think that we've definitely all become a lot more accustomed to it and a lot more comfortable with the camera being right there, um, always behind your back or right up in your face as you're getting ready. I think definitely some people like it more than others. Some people sure. you can tell avoid the dock a lot longer just to kind of avoid being in the camera and whatnot. It doesn't bother me. I think I've gotten very used to them being around. I really enjoy having TWBC there. It's really nice to go back and be able to watch and see kind of all the content, all the different shots and angles that they do. I think Vince does an incredible job um, and very, yeah, very grateful to have them at all of our events. Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, with the release of their documentary just recently, just unbelievable uh, film work, editing work. I mean, the whole team over there just doing an outstanding job for the entire sport. I wanted to ask you about this season in regards to the travel. Some of these events have been in the U.S. Some of these events have been in Europe. Some of these events have been in Canada. Um, at this point in the season, as we near the last three events and then the big event that's not on the Pro Tour, the, the World Tournament, uh, how do you feel from an endurance standpoint at this particular point? It's definitely kind of been exhausting. Um, you know, we're entering kind of this final stretch that's, I guess, kind of nice for me because I don't have to travel that much. Malibu Open is in Tuscaloosa, so we have one more kind of far trip to make. 
but it definitely wears on you. I think at the end of like at the end of the Europe tour, I was ready to come home. I was ready to not live in a suitcase and honestly not look at my ski for a couple of days because <laughs> it was just like, I don't want to go to the lake. I want to go do something else. I want to get away from the lake because when you're over there, sometimes it's easy, I think, to go spend all day at the lake and be around skiers all the time. Fortunately, this year, we found a lot of like really fun stuff to go do to kind of try to switch it up, especially at the end of the trip. So I know like we went and saw Thomas DeGaspri in Trento, went to his lake. So it was a lake, but it was a lake I had never been to. It was a beautiful up in the mountains kind of change of scenery from your typical spot. So it kind of provided a little bit of relief, but it's been nice. I got to go to a couple new places this year. The Monaco tournament, I had never been there. I had never been to Lacanau. I had never been to Canada. So kind of getting to go and see new sites has kept it kind of refreshing, but it's definitely, it's been a long season. Sure. I won't, sure. I definitely won't uh, deny that. And it's kind of nice, I guess, that Worlds is here. It's kind of mixed feelings, I guess. I've gone to many amazing places for Worlds. You know, I've traveled to so many countries I never would have gone to. And Jax is an amazing site. I mean, top notch for sure. Very excited to have Worlds there. But sometimes it's kind of like, oh, well, I wanted to travel a little bit. But I think after this year, I've kind of, I've met my travel requirements. I am good. <laughs> I am content to sleep in my own bed the night before Worlds. So that'll be, that'll be nice as we kind of wind down. And then it's gonna, I think we're gonna go from kind of running, 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 running. We're going to hit Worlds and it's going to stop. Right, And then right. it's off season. So when it's off season and you're planning for next year, are you already looking at, and I don't know, did you travel to Moomba this year? I did not. Okay. So I guess that's another one. If you have enough frequent flyer miles, <laughs> you can roll over to next year, right? Um, but for a lot of these athletes, I mean, this this season started in March. And, you know, is is going to end at if, if collegiate athletes, right? They're still skiing collegiate nationals, I guess. And so all the way to end of October, it's a pretty short window in the offseason. A lot of times in the offseason, I've noticed that some athletes will take a solid one or two months off. Some athletes say, you know, I've been just trying to make it to the tournaments and trying to maintain throughout the season. This is my only chance to actually improve in an area that I knew was lacking throughout the year. How do you use your off-season time to get ready for the next season? I am definitely a long period off type person. I think by the end of the season, I'm kind of, it starts to feel like, all right, you should go ski. You need to go ski. You still have events coming. And so I kind of, once the season ends, I kind of reset that and try to make it back to, I, hey, it's a really nice day. I want to go ski. It's so nice. I want to. I miss it. I want to go. So I take that time and kind of go to the gym or go do stuff that's not skiing in my free time and fill my days with other things because I think sometimes skiing can almost become a job if I think about it too much. And so I typically take the off season, take at least a month off, probably more. I started really skiing. I took a couple sets last year. I know a little bit in December, I started skiing like at least once a week in January and then kind of as when February hit I was kind of like all right we're gonna start trying to go more on off days and I started going at least two maybe three times a week 
and then kind of hit the, hit the ground running. I knew I wasn't going to Moomba, so I wasn't pushing too hard. I would like to go to Moomba again. My last one was in 2020. I don't know when that's going to happen. Like I said, I, I work in the off season. It's kind of a hard trip to sell because it's a full week kind of, you got to be sure. there. It's a long trip to get over there. And then you kind of have to be there to get adjusted and stay for the whole tournament and whatnot. So I definitely want to go again. I don't know if that's going to be on the books for 2024 just yet. It's not a definite no, but still kind of thinking that one out. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll stay tuned to that. Well, what, what is next, right? You, you, you're and and I'm not like the season still, there's a lot to play out, but it kind of, I, I would think, getting through 39 off, getting through it a couple of times really was probably a goal that you may have had. Are you in a mode where it's more geared towards placement at tournaments or are you more motivated by maybe what you could do as a personal goal into 41 off? I think right now I'm still kind of on a placement standpoint. As I start to get more consistent into 41, I think I'll start trying to think a little bit more about pushing it and pushing it. So the first time I ran into 41, my whole goal, I was like, I just don't want to get a half. I want to get a full <laughs> buoy. I do not want to get a score of a half at 41. Worse would have been zero. If I had just like gone inside one ball, that would have been gone down in history probably. But, um, and then I just recently skied two at the California Ski Ranch tournament yeah. um, a couple weeks ago. So definitely my sights are on, you know, trying to figure out how to, turn three or turn two, get over to three, you know, Regina's record is still way up there, but definitely. Yeah. I want to figure it out. I think right now, probably my head is a little bit more on just trying to get through 39, trying to get the placements, trying to win more tournaments, kind of get my name up in sure. the, in the mix a little bit more. And then definitely looking forward to trying to figure out 41 a little bit more. Sure. Well, and that's amazing. I mean, you, you think about a couple of years ago, you're trying to figure out 39. You've you've figured out 39. And now to go figure out 41. And and, and I uh, heard this a, a while ago. I think uh, Mateo was interviewing um, Dane Meckler and he was talking about 41. And and it's a different it's a different beast, so to speak, because it's not necessarily about the pass as it is about maybe one or two turns. And I think what he had to say about that was like, he spent quite a bit of time, like six months, a year, may have been more than a year, just trying to figure out how to turn two to get to three, right? What that, what that rhythm, what that swing felt like. Let me ask you this from a technical standpoint, when it comes to slalom skiing, those people that have skied short line, 38, 39, 41, it almost feels like you go through the wakes and the handle just wants to rip out of your hand. I mean, you can just feel the load tension at 41. I would venture to say that, that, that seems just like, how am I going to keep my body position into the booty buoy? What do you think is going to be the major challenge there at 41? You know what, actually it kind of made me laugh because I think one of the first times I ran 39 with, and I had Will Asher in the boat and he was like, all right, well, you got to shorten it. Okay. And he goes, you have to be ready for the load at the gate. And I was like, okay, I don't really even know what that means. Like I'm on cloud nine right now. I just ran 39. Like I don't really care. And I went through the gate and just like completely got peeled up and was like, that's what you meant. Oh, okay. 
a, it was just, it was so different to the feeling of the gate at 39 that it, and it kind of stuck with me, like after he told me that. So like when I get to 41, I kind of think of it a little bit. I think you just have to kind of stay down a little bit more and try to keep the handle in a little tighter because it will just peel you right up. But it's definitely kind of, yeah, a different whip into one ball than what you're, what I was used to getting. Well, and what's interesting about that from a training standpoint, those who who do run short line, you kind of have to figure out what your body's capable of as far as how many times to go through the actual course. You know, if you, I don't know, go out and try to run 39, four, six times in a row, you probably wake up the next day going, man, I really regret that. I would assume it's the same thing. You got to get some chances to get through 41, to see 41, to see how it's different than 39. But then there's this fine line of you don't want to overdo it. I don't know. I, I've i never had that experience. So I was just curious to know, it, it, how do you get better at a pass like 41 when it seems like you're limited on just how many chances you can actually go through the, the course? Yeah, I mean, I think repetitions definitely goes a long way, but at the same time, I don't necessarily think pushing it at the shortest line length is always the most productive. So I definitely think it's better to work on stuff at like one line length back and trying to get that cleaned up a little bit more rather than just kind of beating your head at one buoy at your hardest pass. I typically don't take multiple 41s whenever I get there I kind of run up the line maybe two chances and then I'm, I'm done I don't know that I really have the best answer there for you but I definitely think it's it kind of it translates I mean the, although the passes are different what you're doing at 39 is definitely going to translate into 41 or whatever you know your next hardest pass is so kind of trying to think about the same things and then you have certain keys as you move into that harder pass that you kind of think about a little bit more I think yeah I, I wouldn't say that I would never go out in a set and just be like oh, I'm not I'm never going to shorten you know we're just going to stay there for a tournament but definitely just yeah I don't know not kind of overdoing it on those passes because your body's only going to do so much sure sure and I think Let it's me... hard especially like in practice sets by the time you get there you are so kind of gassed a little bit that your endurance is kind of running out you know you only have one or two attempts before you're done. Sure. No, no doubt about it. Well, let me switch gears here because this is kind of a fun question. I always like to ask when you're getting ready for the season and you see the list of tournaments that you're going to get to go compete in, what is, what are your favorite places to go ski? Um, I always love seeing new places. That's probably number one. <laughs> Um, and then some of my favorite tournaments, just like seeing them come back, uh, whether for whatever reason that may be. One of my favorites is Caiaphas Battle in Greece. It's just a, it's just a really fun time. I love getting to go to Greece. Um, I've gone to Athens the last two years, kind of done a little bit of sightseeing before going to the tournament. But just kind of seeing, I love getting to see new countries. I mean, I know when the Pro Tour last year for 2022 released their season, I called my mom and I was like, I'm so excited. There's five pro tour stops in Europe and I get to go to Norway that I'd never been. I get to go see wow. in Greece and England. The duel last year was super fun. Um, you're kind of seeing like different tournament formats and different just new events or different events 
and I get excited to see, you know, the long season as much as it is, it's kind of grueling or whatever. They kind of break it up a little bit, which is nice. I think everybody realizes we need a little bit of a break. So I think they kind of put it in chunks a little bit to allow for that, um, which is really nice. But yeah, I get excited when the list comes out. I I remember last year I was like, when are they going to release the, when are they going to release it? Like, it, I feel like it's got to be time. It's got to be soon. And they started putting up, you know, possible events and not all of them made it, you know, to an official tournament, but it's kind of exciting to see the new tournaments and the different formats and seeing what new and exciting thing we can bring to make it different or make it entertaining make it more of a show. Absolutely. No, that, and, and I think that TWBC has, has emphasized that point on the show and has brought that to a lot of viewers out on YouTube and around the world and, and those types of things. Ali, you have been a skier that a lot of our viewers and listeners have watched throughout the years, go through the junior ranks, have a lot of success in the junior ranks, and now having a lot of success at the professional ranks. Along this entire journey, it's been a part of your life the whole time. I would like to preface it that with this with this statement, if you could finish it. I water ski because. I water ski because I love the sport. I've done it um, my whole life. Like you said, I came up to the juniors. It was always a family sport. It still is a family sport. My parents still ski. Um, my brother still skis. And... I just, I think I've always kind of loved the competitive side of it and just kind of finding a new way to push yourself. I know that everybody can relate. We're never content with skiing. You know, it's always, you're always pushing yourself just a little bit more and wanting a little bit more. And so I think that that has kind of kept me chasing. I've never fully been satisfied I've never been like okay I met my goal now what you know I think it's always pushing towards the next goal there's always your goal and then you kind of know your next goal right behind it and so I don't know when the day will come where I'm like I feel like I've done it all I feel like I've achieved I've done and I have no more goals to have um talking to others maybe that have achieved a lot more in skiing they may have a different answer but yeah for me it's still it's still fun and I, I find a lot of fun in the competition side of it um so as long as I still enjoy skiing and I still have fun going and training and traveling and doing all the things I don't see that going anywhere anytime soon sure sure well for our, our younger listeners out there that may be in the junior ranks for example, that are trying to come up through the ranks and maybe become a professional skier one day, what advice would you have for them? I mean, I think my biggest thing as a junior was always just like, don't take it too seriously. Just, I don't know, have fun with it. And like, I've said it multiple times today, if it's becoming more of a job, if you're not having fun, if you're pushing yourself to the point where you're not enjoying the sport, they kind of think you're doing it the wrong way. But just don't give up. I think keep going. It's going to come. There's ups and downs to everything. And especially in this sport, um, just keep pushing yourself, surrounding yourself with, you know, the people that can kind of guide you in the right direction. Sure. 
Sure. Well, this has been an amazing interview. And Allie, I want to give you a handoff to anyone that you would like to thank or your sponsors or where people could get in contact with you. Yeah, of course. So um, first and foremost, I'd like to thank my family, my parents, my brother. My brother's been like my biggest support, my favorite coach. Um, definitely a huge shout out to all of and, them. And, he, and he's over there at ULM, my alma mater. So he yeah, is. Yeah, Zane. he's He's the coach now at ULM. Um, they're about to kick off his third collegiate season there. So wishing the Warhawks all the best this year. And then next, I'd like to thank HO. Obviously, they've been amazing. I've been with them for many years now. So their support, I really don't think I would be here without the support that I've gotten from them and all of my teammates, all of the people out at Jack Travers that I ski with all the time. Absolutely amazing. And... That's awesome. Real quick about HO. You know, HO's got a, such a special team over there and their product development is top notch. And it's been amazing to watch the athletes over the year at HO and just watch the product line. Um, do you work with like, I, I would just assume like if you show up to Jackson, you ski, you got Jonathan there and you've got Will and maybe Wade shows up. What is it like to get your ski dialed in for the season? Are you are you constantly kind of tinkering with things or do you go ski with some of those guys and they take a look at what's going on and they say, well, maybe we'll make a fin adjustment or maybe we'll do this flex pattern. I'm just curious about that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not a huge tinkerer, but yeah, I know last fall I got on the one and I was, I started skiing really well on it, super consistent on it. And I went out and I skied with, will and i think dave was in town and i kind of told him i was like i really like it but there's this one thing that i just feel like i'm having to work way too hard to achieve and um they're like well you know what i think maybe a different flex would be beneficial or whatever and so now that's the ski i'm on now but then just going out there yeah i get to ski all the time with john and rob jamie will and kind of they'll watch and say hey you know where are your boots at what are your fin settings have you tried this do you feel this um so i think kind of surrounding yourself with people that are able to see that and kind of be able to talk you through a little bit of what they see is really beneficial so that was kind of one thing i think when i was living in pensacola pre previously that if i felt stuck i kind of was stuck <laughs> i never really knew how to I could kind of explain what I was feeling, but sometimes I think some people can see and tell you what you're doing a little bit better. So I think going and kind of being able to have the right people watch you and be able to kind of bounce the ideas back and forth goes a long way. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it's a special team to watch and, you know, we'll be back here looking at the leaderboard on the ski brand for the water ski pro tour as the HO syndicate is currently still in the lead. Allie, this has been an incredible podcast, a major big congratulations on such an outstanding 2023 season. We still know that there's three more pro tour stops and then, of course, the world tournament. So good luck to all of those last four tournaments. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for joining us. Until next time, we're signing off. Thanks again for listening and come back for future episodes of the Hit It Podcast as we catch up with current stars and legends of the sport. Thanks again to our sponsor, Visit Central Florida, and don't forget to subscribe, review, and rate this podcast. We'll see you next time.